Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. You're listening to Star Wars Sessions with Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is where the fun begins. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy. And welcome to Star Wars Sessions, the show where Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars is the subject, funnily enough. Uh, my name is Matt Hudson, a.k.a. Jabba the Hud. And joining me once more in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon is the greatest Star Wars man, fan and buddy out there. And very recently, Lucasfilm contacted me for advice on some new ships for the Rise of Skywalker and I insisted on the deadly Bly fighter. It's Master Blywalker himself. Oh, wow. We have transitioned <laughs> into vehicles and fighters now. Absolutely. Wow. Wow, I love it. Nice to hear from you, sir. How are you? You okay? Good, not so bad, my man. Fairly night, fairly relaxed weekend, enjoying the rain and ditching the donuts finally. Um, and as ever, <laughs> as we mentioned, looking forward to a Monday evening to do some PJ Mask sessions. I mean, Star Wars. So, how about yourself? <laughs> oh, dude, absolutely lit. And talking <laughs> of lit, how hot was it last week in the Thursday UK? Was it's... Mustafa at levels. It was mental in London and in the southeast of England. It hit forty degrees, yeah, which is like us. Celsius, which is like hundred something degrees. That's like Dubai weather. Yeah, that's mental. <laughs> that is absolutely mental. Or should I say, Tatooine weather? And yeah. I think that's a little bit more appropriate because today, I tell you what, mate. You know what? I'm ready Ooh. for something. Do you know what that is? Uh, probably a beer. But go on. Yeah, that too. But also, a wind's coming through. It's none other than a galactic breeze. I'm yes. ready to shoot the galactic <laughs> breeze. <laughs> well, let's talk some Star Wars. What's been happening in the galaxy, Blind Ector Critic? Oh, spicy, spicy. So, our first news story <laughs> actually comes um, from none other than John Favreau. Um, long story short, The Mandalorian. John Favreau got some advice than none other than the founder, George Lucas, on The Mandalorian. And and to 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 keep things nice and simple, um, George Lucas just gave John a little bit of advice, and it went along the lines of this. He said, uh, remember, John, the real audience for all stories and all myths is the kids that are coming of age. <laughs> How cool is that? How cool is that? So we know that George Lucas was on set of The Mandalorian. We know um, that that he's been giving advice to Lucasfilm, particular, particularly, sorry, in in the last twelve months. Um, there's rumours, and it's pretty much confirmed that he's helped out with the script and certain decisions in the Rise of Skywalker episode <laughs> nine, the end of the Skywalker saga. But here we are. We have it in black and white writing that he has helped and given advice to none other than John Favreau, um, which I think is amazing news. And, and it, it only adds to the palette of uh, the, the Mandalorian that it feels like it's going to just slot into that original trilogy era perfectly. But it's in a time that we've never explored in live action. So I am super excited for this. I, I'm all over this. I think the, the advice, I, when I saw the headline, I did think, what on earth has George said? Please don't say George has just said, please don't do this. But um, having basically George Lucas say that the hero's journey is 
it's the best advice you could give because the entirety of the original trilogy is the hero's journey. So it's no, it was when I read it, it didn't come as a surprise to me that George Lucas basically said, you know, the kids are the key to all of this because they are. Yeah. They are going to if the if the youngsters enjoy it. They're going to grow up with this. The Mandalorian could be their introduction. They're going to grow up to it. They're going to be introduced to the world of Star Wars that way. And it just gives new fans something new to cling on to. Now, obviously, George wasn't saying that this is for four-year-olds. It's the kids who are coming of age, the kids who are becoming teenagers and above, you know, who are finding themselves in this world. Don't forget to include them in the storytelling and the mag- make the magic of the Star Wars world. Make sure it still connects with them because... Uh, the kids who saw it in 77, they're now adults now, probably showing their kids and their grandkids maybe showing mm-hmm. them uh, the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. maybe their Star Wars. So keep them sweet, basically. And I, this is, it's not surprising, but it's still lovely to know that when George is there, he can give such sage advice. And it's I think it's yeah. quite telling that pretty much everybody who's worked on a Star War, other than potentially Ryan Johnson, but I think even he spoke to George Lucas. But JJ, um, Gareth Edwards, and everybody—they've all had George in their ear at some point, and they've contacted him for advice. So it's great to see that the, the maker is still there somewhere, spirit still there. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you—you you can already kind of see um, the fruitage of that kind of thinking in us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. You know, we—we we grew up with the prequels, and of course. The original trilogy being around the house, which helps a, a, a big deal. Oh, yeah. But we, we grew up while Star Wars law was being produced, being created. Yes. You know, and there is actually that little gap that that, that 10 years of um, Kid Lee Winks that, that grew up without Star Wars actually being in production. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there are exceptions to that. But it's only now I'm starting to see kids, I don't know, like eight eight or so around there, you know, eight to mm-hmm. ten and lower and, and much higher people in their teens. Um, and they're all rocking, you know, like Star Wars caps or... They've got taste. Storm, but yeah, they've got taste. <laughs> of course they <laughs> um, Or like First Order T-shirts, you know, stuff along that yeah. those lines. And that's that's fantastic to see. And that's how you know when a franchise is really in um, in good spirits and in, in, in good hands. Um and I, and I think, you know, in, in, in the coming years, um, there'll be the kids that were brought up with the sequel trilogy. I know we've we've mentioned this many yeah. times and they'll look at it like we've definitely with rose tinted glasses. I mean, we think it's brilliant anyway. Yeah. But they're going to love it. They're going to absolutely love it. Just like someone like myself and, and you, you know, we grew up with the prequels as well. Right. Yeah. And. I definitely look favorably upon them, even though I, I see now the mistakes. I see the, <laughs> well, mistakes is a strong word, but you know, I see, I, I see imperfections, to them. Yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But nonetheless, I love them. And uh, I think it's really great to see. It. And it's solid advice from George Lucas to give, to give John. And for me, it just shows that this, this Mandalorian TV show, man, Honestly, I know we've not we've not had anything, you know, quote unquote official from Lucasfilm <laughs> about this show, but it's going to be special. It's going to be special. I, I have real a real good feeling about this. I've got a good feeling about this. D23 comes out in a month's time and I'm willing to bet a large sum of Luke's money <laughs> that there's going to be some Mandalorian uh, Republic footage. Credits. Republic credits. We'll wager that there'll be, there has to be, there's absolutely guaranteed to be Mandalorian trailer or footage or bit there's going to be a push for the mando in at d23 because 
we talk about the rise of Skywalker that comes out in December well the Mando comes out a month earlier and it's mm. Disney Plus new streaming service Disney are going to want to push that the Mandalorian is the fab flagship show Lucasfilm are going to want to show that what they've got is special so what, to not have anything at D23 or anything sizable would be a big mistake and I know that the dual no. argument to that counter argument is well what about the Rise of Skywalker? That can't they do that as well? Yes, they can do that as well. It's you know, there's 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 nothing to say that the Rise of Skywalker has to be premiered at the trailer at D twenty three. It never usually is. It's usually in about September or October time. I'm 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 kinda guessing we're gonna get a Mandalorian trailer yep. or teaser. Um and I think we're gonna get behind the scenes of episode nine. Yeah, I would and I'd be D23. more than happy that's with what that. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. No, I think it's happy. probably a bit too soon for a episode nine trailer. For a full trailer, I would, I'd be happy with a, a behind the look at me all entitled. I'd be happy with a behind the scenes <laughs> uh, like snippet, uh, sizzle reel at D twenty three, just so we can sort of see the more of the aliens, more of the world, a little bit of what's going on, and then you know hit us with that major trailer in September or end of September time, and then obviously we know that the TV spots are going to start ramping up in November and December. So come December, yeah, we, we'll be begging them to stop. But it was also interesting, Taika Waititi called John, who's going to be directing two episodes, called John Favreau a genius. He said the scripts are great and it was so fun working in the Star Wars universe. So, really? uh, And he's kind of one of the, he's one of the hot things in a minute, Taika Waititi. So hearing that only adds to my, to my excitement. And uh, talking to excitement, we just mentioned the rise of Skywalker and filmmakers. Well, there's a filmmaker out, out there called Kevin Smith. You may have heard of him, you may not have heard of him. Uh, I imagine you have. He's an ultimate fanboy, he's a filmmaker, director for many years, and he's a Star Wars, well, he's an uber Star Wars fanboy, and he's been told by the crew at Pinewood that the final shot of The Rise of Skywalker will, and I quote verbatim, melt your mind. Now, I will um, add to that that Kevin Smith is prone to hyperbole at every turn. He is very... He, I wouldn't say he exaggerates his emotions, but he wears them on his sleeve, and he really, you know, he doesn't. He's got no filter when it comes to his excitement. But he was told um, he went to. He recently, he last year, he suffered a, you know, suffered a very bad heart attack, and it kind of made him rethink his life, if you will. He lost a lot of weight, and in and in his recovery, J J Abrams invited him along to Pinewood Studios, which isn't a bad little prison. Come and have a look at what we're doing on the Rise of Skywalker. And somebody on set basically said, "You have to see this." When you see this, you know, uh, alluding to the final shot, it's going to melt your mind. And, they, and they're all like, just like, ask J-Day. And J- um, Kevin Smith had to basically, basically comes out and says, I, I had to try with every fibre of my being not to see this. But he mentioned it to J-Day mm-hmm. and J-Day said, no, listen, dude, I'm not going to show this to you. And he's like, why not? Because you have to see it in the cinema. And the, and the, the key phrase he said was, J-Day said, trust me on this one. Trust me. You want to be sitting there in the theatre with the big screen. And Kev Smith said, you know, he's a magician. You know what? Trick me. I'm going to wait. I'll sit back. I like your plan. He's never let me down so far. So JJ said to the world now, just wait till you see what I have in store for that final shot to wrap up four years of storytelling. Kevin Smith's been told by people on the set who have apparently seen this. Yeah. It's going to melt your mind. So Master Blywalker, does this melt your mind in excitement? Dude, this, listen, I have two feelings on this, right? It's Kevin Smith. I'm not surprised. (laughs) First feeling, you know, the dude is not going to be critical. He's not going to say anything bad. That is half because, you know, he's friends of JJ Abrams. Mm -hmm. 
right? He knows the squad. He knows what's going down. So, you know, he can't be overtly critical. But also, we all know that he loves Star Wars. He adores Star Wars. And he's loved all these Star Wars films, which, admittedly, we have too, right? Yes. So, you know, and I look back, if you look back at what he said about um, some of these Star Wars films in in the past. You know, I remember distinctly Kevin Smith saying, you know, guys, I know we were kind of like, we were a little bit worried about Rogue One, but don't be worried. It's like Empire Strikes Back good. Yes. Right? Do you remember that? I do. And lo lo and behold, what's what's one of your favourite Star Wars films, Matt, if not your favourite? I'm going to say Rogue One. There we go. (laughs) There we go. Right? So this is great news. When you hear anything like this, it's great news. And especially the fact that he hasn't even seen the last shot. J.J. Abrams just said, you know, you're going to want to see this in the theatres. We all know what J.J. is like. He, he, he wants to pack an emotional punch at every opportunity he can so while exciting. you're sitting in a cinema, right? While you're sitting in that theatre, he wants you to be on the edge of your seat and just go, wow. Whoa. And, hey, we're going to get that. I'm so excited. We're going to get that. So this, so this, is, this, is, this is great news. This is great news. But, you know, again, it is just the tiniest little bit of information. Let's not make it into some crazy theory like what some creators do yes. but that don't matter that's neither that's neither here nor there right yeah um i can't wait i can't wait december cannot come soon enough i think we'll file this under uh scratching for content um it, it, yeah. it would be easy if, <laughs> it would be easy for kevin to not say anything when i hear stuff like this just to end on that one i'm always happy to hear it because i'd rather hear that it's good then spend a yeah, lot of time too. hearing me nothing. Too. But um, me too. Yeah, roll on, roll on, be, December. And and we're we're not these people like we we like to critique things fairly. Yeah. And I think that's fair. You know, um, I'm not one who who tends to be like, oh yeah, everything's amazing everything's all awesome. the time. Yeah. I am an optimist, uh, so bear that in mind as well. But for example, the Disney, the Millennium Falcon ride, the queue system, I've said, I've said since day one, I disagree. I've said from day one, I disagree with that. Disney still hasn't changed anything about that. And I find that really frustrating and annoying. They're not, like, listening. Stupid. They're not listening. Yeah. And, and I tell you what, as an example, we'll talk, we'll, we'll talk about a few little examples in um, our main topic later today we will do. of things i'm not that fond of in uh this particular um star wars uh series which is rebels i don't know why i don't know why i'm i don't know why i'm jumping around the topic the guys who are playing this podcast saw the title of it because you're a legend that's you can you can do as you want yeah, yeah. let's not reveal what the title already tells us we're turning into jj and his the mystery rebels, box rebels rebels too, rebels right? we're going to talk about rebels anyway but but before that we have other stuff too right we, we have other we stuff. have, a, we have um, our 10 o'clock 10, 10 o'clock news segment right now wow okay um <clears throat> Right, we're serious. Back to the news. This is our last bit of news for uh, this, this week's news. show. And long, long story short, um, in the last few years, <laughs> if if you have been to uh, Comic Con in San Diego, MCM London Comic Con um, in, in the UK, London Film and Comic Con, and all the comic conventions around the world and the United States, you might have seen someone cosplaying as Pink Short Short Soundman. <laughs> um, 
And this is a this is from a photo of a set in Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, which of course at the time was just called Star Wars. In the 1970s, uh, while they were filming for Star Wars, um, there is a picture of all the crew filming Luke uh, by the side of his land uh, land speeder. And of course, you've got C-3PO and R2 in the back. Um, it's just typical uh, Star Wars. And However, the, the special thing about this photo is this photo was actually um, only released in 2015. Um, and it's just really funny. Everyone else, everyone in the photo is clothed or in um, dress, in in um costume attire. yeah and yet the sound guy he's just in these like really short hot pants these pink ones and he's just got the sound like the sound boom, mic yeah. like hovering over the speeder and luke skywalker <laughs> and it's the most and and people have been cosplaying as it uh for, for a few years now because you know why not <laughs> so it turns out this person has finally been named after four years we know who it is. It's been named as none other than Ken Nightingale or Nightingale. Is that it? Nightingale. No, I'd say Nightingale. Right? I'd say Nightingale, and uh, he is now a a ninety year old man who lives just outside London and is amused at all of this. Um, <laughs> Nightingale, it says, has uh, since inspired a generation of cosplayers <laughs> who attend conventions in his famous pink hot pants. And the man himself attended a lunch with the royal family at Buckingham Palace following Star Wars Academy Award victory for the best sound. Now, isn't that good crack, if I ever that is fa- I'd like to think he just wore his pink short shorts to meet Her Majesty, just keeping oh, yeah. it in time. It's, uh, it's a little bit of it's fun news. It's one of those pictures that it just, the more I look at it, the funnier it gets. And I tell you, if I had if I had a bod like Ken Nightingale did, I'd be in my short shorts in this weather currently. So um, yeah, uh, Ken Nightingale, you're a legend, Honestly. and you've given us the strangest cos- Star Wars cosplay out there. But I'm glad you find it amusing and you can find something in it. And when it says just outside London, in my head, he's an Essex boy. Oh, he's gotta be right. With those hot pants, he's, he's gotta, gotta be. be. They look like they've been tattooed he's onto him. He's gotta be somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in between Brentwood and Basildon. It's gotta yeah. be in Wickford. Come on. Come on, come on. But there we go. There's a little bit of humour for you guys. And that actually wraps up our new section, which actually takes us on to the next section of our show. It does indeed. But before we get on to that, a familiar voice from that show, he just wants to say hello again. Hey, what's up? It's Taylor Gray, a.k.a. Ezra Bridger, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. Ties in wonderfully. Taylor, you'll always be a legend. Ezra, you'll always be a king in our eyes. That is, as Luke said, you may or may not have uh, read the title. If you haven't, well done, frankly. But um, we are talking <laughs> Rebels. We are revisiting Rebels. Partly inspired by um, Taylor Grainer's generosity and the fact that he's a boss. But also, just um, we talk about the films quite a lot. And we did do our canon novel special a few months ago. But uh, let's jump into a bit of animation, we thought. So we thought we'd go Rebels now, because Clone Wars may come in a few months. Disclaimer, if you haven't seen Rebels, we are going to go full spoiler. You have been warned. If you haven't seen it, go and watch all four four seasons, 75 episodes. Then come back and listen to this, and you'll know what we're on about. So we thought we'd talk about, you know, the the story, the themes about it, the animation. 
obviously a little bit about the characters, but then we're going to give our our top moments, our best moments together, and our top three episodes of Rebels before we may even have a few of you guys giving your examples as well. So let's jump into just like the story and what it's all about. So when you first heard this was coming out, we've got this new thing because obviously the Clone Wars have been cancelled. Now they're coming out of Star Wars Rebels. They drop the poster and you think, oh, who are these guys? You know, what did did you jump on Rebels straight away or did you wait for a few weeks I, and months? Dude, you know, truth be told, I didn't. I didn't. And that's partly, I think that's because two reasons. I was too focused on the build-up to um, Episode 7, yes. Force Awakens. Um, but also, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of the Clone Wars. Right. I think I was just about the wrong age to properly uh, appreciate it and watch it. Obviously, I've I've caught up with it all since. But with Rebels, it was I, I'm I'm pretty sure it's actually. Let me have a think. It might have been even after Force Awakens came out, 2016, maybe. 2015, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I, I think for myself, 2016, I would have started watching Rebels, and I really enjoyed it. The first few episodes, you know, I did grind through <laughs> however i still enjoyed it and and just little things really like i really enjoyed the visuals i think artistically especially when when you look at the landscapes used in rebels mm. it's very ralph Macquarie. yeah yeah it's very ralph Macquarie, and it's very original trilogy star wars and i absolutely love that i much prefer the design the overall design of the Rebel series compared to the Clone Wars. Again, I'm, I'm probably in a minority there. Um, but I felt like, you know, I started re-watching or watching Rebels as it was coming out, um, kind of by season two. Mm-hmm. And it, it had me hooked. I thought season two was incredible. And to this day, season two and three and four, but I, I particularly have fond memories of uh, seasons two and three. Because, you know, I genuinely looked forward to that week by week, you know, watching Star Wars Rebels in my room, you know, catching up on what was going on in that bit of the galaxy. And mm-hmm. I loved the characters. I thought the character development was phenomenal. Um, but also just on a, on a, on a slight, slight side note, you know, when me and my missus were going out a few years ago, um, she lived in Birmingham. I lived in Essex. And for those of you who don't know, that's about 150 miles away. Give or take, uh, yeah. Maybe a bit more. Yeah. So, so you know, I would drive up to Birmingham. But on the Sunday night, I'd drive back down. <laughs> and um, I did I, – I distinctly remember, you know, once thinking, once I get home, you know, I'm going to crash in bed and I'm going to watch an episode of Rebels. You know, yeah. and that that did kind of help from that post seeing my gorgeous course, lady yeah. blues. You know, uh, I, and I know it sounds daft, and you know when we got that message from uh, Taylor Gray, who of course is the amazing voice of Ezra Bridger in in the Rebel series, it really meant so much to me because it reminded me of that time. You know, and I couldn't believe the guy who voiced. You know, this character I was so invested in for such a long time messaged us on our podcast. It's just mental, absolutely mental. Um, but there are some phenomenal moments in, in Rebels. Well, what, what are you thinking? Mate? That's a lovely story, which I can't actually beat that. But um, no, I, <laughs> I think I jumped on board at some point during season two because I am guilty. I am one of those fiends who thought when it came out, I thought, 
this really isn't going to be for me. And I think a lot of people seem to have had that same thought. I saw the poster and I saw this kind of like this kid with floppy hair with a catapult slingshot. I thought, oh dear, oh dear, like C-3PO. Maybe I'll give that a miss. And, you know, on the forums and at the cantina shout out forums, we, I'd hear people talking about rebels and these Kanan characters, and I'd think, oh no, that's not for me. There, that's not, that's not really Star Wars. What an idiot! It was uh, as soon as I jumped on board, I was hooked. Uh, I really, yeah. really liked it. And do you know what? I, 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 I hear you about season one, but I went and rewatched it over the weekend, the first series season, just to see if it was what I remember it being. And do you know what? With hindsight and retrospect, season one is actually really very good. The first two episodes yeah. are great, I think, but now now we know where the characters ended up and we know how, yeah. the, how the series unfolded. Season one actually was enhanced for me, so for sure. that was quite handy. But I love the fact that it's all about family. We're going to hear about it later on, but you've got Kanan and Hera, they're the parents. Sabine and Ezra are the kids, and Zeb and Chopper are kind of the mischievous pets. And he's got the OT vibe because it's set between uh, five years before the Battle of Yavin, or Your New Hope, uh, and one year before, so it covers so four four series seasons covers four years in the galactic universe, and I love that, and I love that. And the animation, you're right, it started off it started off solid, but it ended up incredible. The finale had yeah. some amazing animation in, and things like in season three, in the secret cargo episode, they go through this thing called the Archaeon Nebula, and this nebula looks amazing. It looks incredible, and just some of the shots where they're in the Star Destroyer and the uh, stormtroopers are walking through the lit corridors. Just the way the light bounces off them for a brief minute, it looks like I'm watching a live action film. It's done so yes. well, and uh, on that as well, I've got to shout out to Kevin Carner for the some of the score he did was immense. Like Sabine's catharsis, Kanan's end credit, just to name a few. But I really enjoyed it. I mean, I've got a paragraph about each season. So, the, I mean, the first one, I thought it was very good. It's heavier than I remember, and it gets pretty dark. There's one moment mm-hmm. where the, the Empire and the Grand Inquisitor literally used the corpse and bones of a Jedi, Luminara Unduli, to, as bait to lure Jedi to their death. Um, it, so it gets quite heavy. I thought the second one had some brilliant moments. Obviously, we get Vader, the clones, the Inquisitors, Leia, the Pergil. We'll find out about them. Maul. Season three, that's when I thought it started to focus more on the ghost crew, though. Whereas I think mm-hmm. seasons one or two lent heavily on the Clone Wars nostalgia, shall we say, and the characters we all know and love. I think season yeah. three focused more on the on the gang. We did get Thrawn and Saw Gerrera and things like that, but and obviously more Obi Wan. But I think season three was more the Ghost, and season four much shorter, but it was tighter, more focused, more introspective, a lot quieter at times. I just thought, as a story and as a bit of storytelling, it is superb. And I'm not one to I'm not going to fanboy. There are things I didn't particularly enjoy, of course, but the top level, I thought, it was, I thought it was awesome. I really did think Rebels was superb. It was. It was superb. And it's and it still is to watch it. And you look, like you said, you watch season one and compare that to season one of the Clone Wars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pers- personally, I, you know, I can really find a difference in the quality. I feel like Rebels is a lot more character driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it's a lot more believable. Anyway, you know, other than the little stupid lightsaber that's also a blaster <laughs> that Ezra uses, but yeah, they deal with that saber by season. Yeah, but is it by season three or four? It's in Twilight of the Apprentice. He gets his so fa- he gets his lightsaber destroyed, yeah, and he has to make a new so one. So, end of season two, yes, right. So by season three, he's got the green lightsaber, which is a lot 
like more believable. Cooler, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot cooler. Um, but the and the, the, listen, there are stupid moments in it. You know, the, do you remember there's that episode where the droid just sings in space? Oh, those end? pink butterfly things. Yeah, AP five. What, what his name is. is that about? That what did make me think? Is what is about? going on? A lot of people like and, that, and it was Filoni's kind of joke, but <laughs> oh yeah, funny, hilarious. <laughs> It's just not, it's just stupid, you know. <laughs> I, but, I don't know. Listen, I there, there are. It, it's a kid show. It's a kid show. It's for kids and it's aimed at kids. Yeah. Um, and it like not not like the Mandalorian, not like kids who are soon going to be adults. You know, this is aimed at everyone from like five to twelve to teens, right? And us, us <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? grown men <laughs> watching it as well to keep up with canon. Um, <laughs> But you do notice that the the, the series matures with its audience, yeah, which always happens, which should happen, um, and it improves with with quality. There's no two ways about it. Um, but I have extremely fond uh, memories of uh, Rebels, so I'm going to lay down some of my um, favourite moments for you. If you're happy with that, my friend, we do. I've got I've got five of them. I've I've narrowed it down to. George, should, should we take turns? Let's do it. I found it hard to do, do it, it, but uh, after you, Master me, Bible, me too. Me, me too. I've I've found it difficult. It was quite a lot. Um, so I'm actually gonna I'm I'm gonna go with the moments that have kind of stood out to me in my in my uh, memory because we, we've had a lot of uh, stuff in from the socials that's kind of jogged my memory. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so so you might be a little surprised at a few of these. But um, number one, I'm gonna mention is actually the reveal of Fulcrum. Um, okay. In season, is it season one? End of season one yes, or season two? It's a very we end find of out season it's, one. It's yeah, we find out it's Ahsoka, and I loved that. And it was something that I actually didn't think they would go. It was a route I didn't think they'd go down. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh right, they've brought Ahsoka back. I thought they would kill off Ahsoka some other way, but no, man, like she's back. Um, and she's gonna she's gonna be featuring it in Rebels, and I I really really appreciated that scene. I really enjoyed it, really liked it. So yeah, that, that's that's the first moment I'm gonna mention, yeah. man. I think it worked also because of that. Like I mentioned, that the Clone Wars nostalgia kind of lent heavily on that because obviously when the fans who'd seen that remember the last time I saw her, she was you know leaving Anakin and leaving the Jedi Order, and now she's back yeah. as Fulcrum. She's helping the Rebellion, and, of course, her story arc goes goes on from there. But that's okay. that was the end of Season 1, and Season 1 got better as it went along. And that and like, and some other things that happened, which we may or may not mention, um, really set up Season 2 going forward. And I think it's a bit, this is the best Season 1 of the animation we've got. It's better than The Clone Wars, and it's better than Resistance Season 1. Rebels is the best of the lot so far in terms of this first season. My one, I thought, I, I just want to caveat mine by saying I tried to also second guess what Blilo Ren was going to put. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to try not to put the same, but we'll see if I have or not. So uh, my number, well, the fifth one I picked, the first one, or is uh, the Grand Inquisitor versus Kanan in the mm. in, in the season one finale. Um, fire, yeah. uh, was it the fire, fire Across the Galaxy? I think it's called. Uh, specifically, when yeah. he when Kanan knocks him off the ledge and he's hanging off, and He's and the Grand Inquisitor, who Jason Isaacs of Harry Potter and many and much more fame voices excellently, just looks at Kanan and says, "You have no idea what you've unleashed here today. There are some things far more frightening than death." And rather than face the wrath of Vader or the Emperor, he willingly just flink, flings himself into the flames below. But I just think the that scene is 
a wonderful way of showing Kanan's yeah. growth. It's a great fight as well. And also, little... it's very, very Obi Wan, Qui Gon, and Darth Maul. It Moore is, in yeah. The and minutes, you get the continuity well. of Ezra gets the two scars on his cheek in that scene, and it stays with him yeah. for the entire se- entire series. So, for me, Grand Inquisitor getting whooped by Kanan was the first one I thought of. Dude, that's a great one. And that's actually not in my list. So, yes. well done. <laughs> yes, one, of, well one for done. one. Well done. Good, good, good thinking, man. Good thinking. So, my next one is actually. Um, I was so, so chuffed in, I think it's season two, I think. Um, and the gang basically end up meeting up with some old clone troopers, including <laughs> Captain Rex. And you see them in the old Clone uh, Wars era walker. Yeah. Forgive me, I've forgotten the name of them. But you know the ones. They're, they're a lot smaller. They're the predecessor to the 8080s. Um, and it just looks so good. And it's great to have, A, the voices back and to see Rex, but also the chemistry between everyone was brilliant. <laughs> and there was that mistrust between Kanan and the clones because, yes. you know, awkward, Order 66. Execute Kanan 66. And also, just a side note, I really love and enjoy the Kanan comics. I know I've mentioned that before. There's a two, I think there's, it counts, I guess, as a mini series because yeah. they didn't develop yeah. anymore. But there's basically like two stories told over eight comics, I think. So there's like four for one story, four for another story, I think. I could be wrong, but it's along those sort of lines. And you see Kanan as a young, a really tiny paddy one um, during Order 66, which is super interesting. Um, and also something I found fascinating is at the end of that series, you see like a comic book live series interpretation of the whole Rebels gang. Nice. You know, so, and that looked really cool too. I forgot about uh, that. Yeah, it's super cool. Really, really wicked um, series. If anyone can like find it on eBay, it's definitely worth a, a, a cheeky little read. Um, but there we go. That's that's probably my next moment. It's just seeing seeing again the merging of the Clone Wars and the Rebels era, right? Yes. That prequels and original era, not not just the series. I mean, that's the thing I appreciate the most. You know, the clone troopers in clone trooper gear fighting stormtroopers in stormtrooper gear. You know, sign me up, man. Yeah, bucketheads. I yeah. man, I, that's a. I, there's little moments like that which you don't forget about, but they don't. They may not always necessarily jump to the top of the list. But when you think about it, if you, when you spot on, it's the merging of those two eras, and it's just and it's not gratuitous. It's, it brings a lovely little warm feeling, and I love the fact that they nailed that mistrust because of Order sixty six and the clones, and Kanan didn't immediately uh, warm to his new his new buddies. But that's a good shout. I haven't got that on my list. You may have this one on your list. I'm not sure because I haven't seen it. Um, the fourth one, or the second one for me, is Ezra and Kanan versus Darth Vader in the Siege of Lothal in uh, in the first uh, episode of season two, got, where Vader's okay. treating our heroes like punks. He's tossing them around like fools. He uses the Force to nearly cut Ezra's head off with his own lightsaber, which is you know peak Vader. And he and then the rebels bring down an ATDP walker on him, or more than one. They bring these walkers down and they literally explode on him. And they think, right, he's gone now. The next thing you see is Darth lifting these walkers up with the force. And you think, oh, okay, this is pure power and awesomeness. And it was a good barometer as well of where the heroes were in their journey. Because you've got our two heroes. And of course you think, we mentioned the hero's journey. 
you think, oh, they'll be able to stand up to Vader. They get schooled. Like, you know, Vader absolutely punks them. So we know that when it comes to, you know, taking on the biggest and the baddest in the galaxy, they are no match. So they've got a long way to go. And also to be, be, uh, just seeing Vader execute that kind of power to basically pick up these walkers from him. From him. This is because remember, this is before Rogue One when we see that scene in the hallway. This is this is kind of a, a hint just to what Darth could do. So I like the fact that they had, they introduced him and he's only used sparingly in those episodes. But when he was there, he was an absolute boss. And you know there was no this was there was no felony like these uh, elevating his characters. He treated them like they should be. Vader schooled them, and it's just a great fight and uh, really good for their um, character development. I thought. Yeah, dude, that is a great move um, moment to choose. That is really good. And again, it's one of those things that you've done really good because I, I had to think. that didn't come into my head. But now you've said it, it's like, oh, yeah, that was proper spicy. I had to really think. It's quite hard to get him down from like 15 or 20 to like to five. It is really hard. It is really hard. Um Wow, yeah, no, that's that's really good. I've kind of like lost my thought of where uh, <laughs> what, <laughs> what I was going it to was, say. I thought it was quite good. <laughs> Honestly, dude, that that was a great moment. I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, so okay, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say when Ezra and Kanan were training. Yeah. Right again, this is something that came to mind, and yeah. also Sabine ends up training as well. Yeah, right. Um, and again, it's the um, it's probably because again it, it's cleverly playing on the nostalgia factor. It really reminded me of all the other films, you know, like Yoda training Luke, mm-hmm. um, Obi Wan training Luke two, uh, Obi Wan training Anakin, um, and and you know, to now, I mean, we didn't know this at the time, but now even Luke you know, training Ray yeah. and that the training is never perfect. If you look at all those films, the training in all those trilogies, it's never clean cut and perfect. Mm-hmm. There's always lessons that need to be learned the hard way. And Hey, that's definitely true of Ezra Bridger of all people. Come on that guy. He, he's he's a disobedient little boy. He's a naughty boy. <laughs> he's a naughty he's a cheeky boy. Chap. He's a naughty he's boy. Naughty but again, boy, I think, I think that's in season three. Or season four, it's it's later, but I'm 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 naming all of the moments mm-hmm. Ezra and and Kanan have together. But there is a particular episode in in uh, season three or four where they're all together, and I I was just like I was fully invested in the universe at that time, and I'm I was fully invested in the show, I should say, at that time, and and just seeing that, I, I it just made me really happy that this sort of material has been been uh, created and then it's all canon yes so yeah that's that's going to be one of my mentions for sure okay we'll see get some deep cuts here these are these are this is some good stuff i hope everyone out there and i know agrees. i appreciate that one's a really vague one but it's something but again moments. i'm trying to go i'm going i'm going off of not necessarily what everyone again similar to yourself a little bit i'm trying to not go off what everyone would necessarily say but stuff that just pops into my head that's really re- memorable from from the series no and like I said, some, some of those moments are incredible like the first moments you get of Kane and Ezra training on top of the ghost in the clouds in season oh, one when Chopper's throwing things at him and things to how to I think that's to it. that one in season three when Sabine's doing it the Darksaber one and that it that's and then it. obviously where they come in season four it is like you mentioned Blaster Blywalker 
that development and it's done so well it's not just here's Ezra suddenly he's really good at you know doing lightsabers uh, it, there is that yeah. development and that curve which I think was so well yes. done and it's that's that's another that's another very good one it's not on my list but kind of wish it was now um, <laughs> so uh, my third one is uh, possibly one that most people will remember but my top two I think most people remember number three is when uh, Agent Callus and Zeb Bond in the Honourable Ones episode, when yes! it's a wicked, great, oh, quiet, a, this is one of my favourite episodes. It's a quiet Me episode. Too. So you've got the two characters who pretty much are odds with each other. They're stranded together on oh. uh, GNOC and IC Moon, and they've got to work together to survive. And of course, in the in the story at the time, General Callus, uh, um, General Callus, Callus is um, yeah, Admiral, yeah, 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 General, yeah. He's he's apparently the guy who gave the order to. Wipe out all of Zeb's Lassat species. We now find on that find out that may not have been the case. But so at the time they've got to work together and they're trading stories about the Lassats. Uh, and also they mentioned Saw Guerrera, Guerrera, the and the Gia, genocide of Geonosis. They got the, the the beasts. They got to fight those off. And of course, then they at the end they end up arguing about who's going to get picked up first and rescued. And we know Zeb gets picked up by the Ghost Crew, who are so pleased to see him. And Callus is sitting there watching this, and hours and hours later. Callus uh, finally gets collected, and when he gets on board the Star Destroyer, uh, Admiral Constantine and the Emperor Empire couldn't really give a monkey. So he's on there; they're they're just cold to him, and mm-hmm. he goes into his little um, digs, and he starts thinking about what Zeb said to him about the reception Zeb got, changing his mind about is did Callus agree with what he did? If he didn't agree with it, why is he doing? Why are you doing this for the Empire? Why are you working with them? I just thought it was. Such a brilliant episode, and the way it's written, the way it's paced, and these episodes can sometimes absolutely fall flat and not work whatsoever. But I thought this was brilliantly done, and it had no 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 shortage of tension either. So the moment those two start their bromance was the third, my third favourite moment of the entire series. Mate, I loved that episode. I loved it, man, and I didn't even. Th- think of that when i was when i was planning what i was gonna say <laughs> dude dude and that was such a good episode i think i might need to rewatch that scene. Yeah, honestly i'm not even rewatch the whole Great thing call. i watched season one and f- forgot that actually how good it, there's what there's 15 14 15 episodes i'd say at least 12 of them are very good there are some which aren't as as you get which aren't great but the majority of it is so good and now i want to go back and rewatch season two and three and four Oh, mate, it's it's such a solid series. And, you know, I'm actually glad they stopped it at four. You go out on top. Because, yeah, yeah they, they, yeah, I, I'm really glad they, they just went with quality over quantity, you know, and that's important sometimes yeah. with, with oh, uh, some TV shows. And it was so good from the start that, you know, they didn't really need to have like this steep improvement process. Um, which I feel like the Clone Wars kind of has or had. It took a few series um, for that to get going, I think. It, it did. And Seasons. plus, it bugs me. The whole chron- I know I've said this a load of times. I sound like a flipping broken record or something. <laughs> but the, cro- the whole chronological thing bugs me with the Clone Wars so that, that it's all in these, like, divided up into different arcs and stories. Like, that just, it, it, there's something about it. There's something about Rebels being, like, start, finish, all chronological, nice sweet delicious you know it's just real nice it's just real nice um but 
there we go. So so anyway, on to my next moment. Um, it's got to be the end, the end of season two. And it's the battle with <laughs> Maul, Kanan, Ezra, and the two Inquisitors. However, I'm going to say something on here. I'm going to say it right here, right here now. Here we go. What on earth is up with those helicopter lightsaber <laughs> things that the Inquisitor... That the Inquisitors use. Sabercopters. Oh, my days. What on earth was that? Dude, as long as we don't get any of that rubbish in The Mandalorian, I'm good. If that's how Ray gets I out of trouble good. in The Rise of Skywalker, JJ's got a lot of... If that's what's going to melt my mind... I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I'm out. <laughs> if that is the case, I'm out. No bueno. No thanks. I'm good. Um, no, joking aside, the end of that series just felt absolutely boss to me yeah. <laughs> like that was absolutely yeah. sick and just watching that you know it felt like such a huge like wait until season three you know i was like oh man like i am really buzzed to see what happens next you know and with you know nowadays in the past few years i don't feel like that with cartoon series I I, i've only felt that with um rebels you know and that's special you know that's really special um and it was during a time where during pretty much all of season two i was watching rebels recon after every episode on on the star wars uh channel because i was so invested in it and i remember seeing that last battle and and poor like kanan getting blinded um and that really just getting you know the getting beaten just getting absolutely mugged off by all these people and kind of no one winning no one end up ended up being the top dog out of that and of course you know maul <laughs> yeah, yeah enough said maul just turns enough up said. well for, I'll, I'll add i'll add to that my number two was when was when vader arrives in that scene so pretty much my oh. number two is the start of that scene and where and where it went on to when he he's standing there top his tie fighter like an absolute boss and he comes down he, he gives ezra a beat down and he he's a, like you said he's a showman standing on his tie fighter, just daring everyone to, just to admire how cool he looks with his cape flapping. He drops Ezra, destroys that um, saber blaster, and then he says to Ezra, you know, you'll die braver than most, which is awesome. And of course, we get and get the fight between Ahsoka and Vader, which is what the yeah. fans wanted. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that entire yeah. episode, pretty much, but especially that last part, because you also get Maul just savagely murdering I think it's a seventh sister as well. Just absolutely like cuts her in half, basically off screen. Yeah. Um, and a obviously a soaker's there. You've got everything that's going on with the um, holocron, the Sith holocron in the temple, which threatens to petrify or, or whatever all of them and turn them into stone. We also get the Kylo Ren cross guard lightsaber. Before that, there's so much going on in that episode. It is it, it it's ridiculous how much they managed to do. And guess what? Execution drink. They did it so. Well, but what I would say about it is this is just my this is just me now. I still think that Vader should have been schooling Ahsoka, but then had that happened, we wouldn't have got that incredible moment where we see Vader's eye, even though he's got an eyebrow. You see Vader's eye, and you get Matt Lanter and James Earl Jones's voice all merged into the one, and then he looks at him and says, "Then you will die." And then you get the fight. Yes, I mean we wouldn't have got that moment. I still think Vader seeing what he did with. Like the Walker and everybody else's fight for. I still think he. Sh- I still think they should have ended that with a Vader victory. Not because I dislike Ahsoka that much or love Vader that much. I think that should it makes been. sense. But that wasn't what happened. But everything you are spot on. Everything around mine was pretty much just when he descends on his Tie Fighter. But when you think about everything that happens in that, 
Kane then getting blinded. I did not see that coming. During the, f- the fight, I actually thought he cut his head off. Because yes. the, it's a POV shot. You just see Maul coming towards him, slicing, and then the screen goes red very quickly. I thought, they killed him. It's just a mad, mm-hmm. mad episode and just complete this montage of death. And I, I, I will say... Um... One thing about this episode that, that bugs me as well is the environment. I don't like the... It, it, is it... Malachor. What's the name of the planet? It is Malachor, yeah, isn't yeah. it? I wasn't sure. Which is like where the Sith hor- holocron is, yeah, yeah, isn't that's it? Right, yeah. This is just something that... It, it, it bugs me with the whole Mandalore series as well in the Clone Wars. Is, and I know I keep, I keep going on about this, <laughs> but it doesn't look Star Warsy enough. Does that make sense? It's way too sci-fi crazy mm-hmm. out the box thinking and star wars is i hey uh, i think the limit of crazy planets for me is kind of like felucia yeah that kind of planet where the colors are like all crazy and over like over the top but it still feels really earthy and even even coruscant you know it's a massive city you believe it you buy it with with um, malachor it's just Oh man, it's not for me. It's not for me. But that doesn't take away from the moment because the moment itself was just incredible. And like you said as well, with the Ahsoka fight, just like immediately after that, there is so much spice in there to take away. It's mad. Filoni yeah, literally mined spice in that episode. It's everywhere. Oh, that's great. Yeah, there's, well, there's certain things that they have bugged me. Malachor wasn't the most enjoyable looking location. And there's other ones as well, like when they go to Geonosis with Saul Guerrero, and even little moments when Kanan, I think he sort of force throws Ezra across this massive canyon and then sort of, and then jumps over this like 100 metre canyon. Those kind of moments, not always a fan of. I don't even like it. I don't even like it in the in the live action films when like Luke jumps out of the yeah. carbonite frick chamber in an empire or when Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon do their sort of force Usain Bolt sprint in the Phantom Menace, little moments like that. And they, I never really liked And They were the moments in Rebels, including mm. the, the saber copter, which even though this is faking in space, oh. they kind of took me out of what I was watching, but I obviously understand that it's for, it's for the nippers out there. So there's got to be some, something to appeal to everybody, which is, at the it's time, fine. I rewinded it. I rewound that scene just because I was like, did I see that right? <laughs> they used lightsabers <laughs> as helicopters. <laughs> but And I was like, but how would that work? Because it's laser. It's, it's, it's light. It's fake and it's, it's in space. It's, uh, <laughs> and it, uh, yeah, I, I, that you can't be questioning physics and whatnot <laughs> oh, in Star Wars. It just looks like, that ridiculous. Is, that, is a deep, that is a deep, oh, you don't want to go down. No, <laughs> no magnetic you. bombs in the last Jedi. We'll, we'll start a fight here, but I just thought they looked no, awful. No, we're good, we're good. We'll just let some visual expla- like dictionary explain it. <laughs> yeah. We're just like that. Let, let that explain I'll have a look it. to we're see good. what I can manage up. So what did you get for your final one then? For my final one, I think it's a given. But before I say my final moment, um, I'm just going to give a cheeky shout out. And that's actually to the Bendu, because I don't think it qualifies enough for top five moments, um, because there's a lot of mystery around it. And and some of it doesn't quite make sense. (laughs) Um, A lot of mystery box style (laughs) of storytelling there. However, I really like it, and it is, it's the Bendu himself, voiced by the uh, guy who played Doctor, one of the Doctors. Thank you, thank you. Um, and it, it, I just found it really enjoyable. I liked that kind of expansion of the Force myth- mythology um, and fantasy, and, and yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. 
and it's it's a hard one as well because I also this it, it, it's hard because I can't pin down a specific moment, but I loved Thrawn. Yeah, right. That's why that's why I've not mentioned I've not mentioned any specific moments, but I loved. I loved Thrawn, particularly when he's explaining like why he'll know something, how he knew something or prepared for something or guess, well, not even guess, predicted something. Um, I thought he was a fantastic character to bring into the universe again as canon. Um, but my, my final moment has to go to, it has to go to none other than Obi-Wan versus Maul on Tatooine. I knew it. How can you not? How can you not? Like the other day, I I showed um, Dan Sexton at work. I sent him a link to that because he's not watched Rebels. But he plans on watching Rebels when Disney Plus comes out, right? So he's going to watch all of that bad boy from the start. Um, But he has seen that scene. Um, But, you know, nevertheless, it's worth just seeing on its own because that that scene where where Darth um, Maul, or just Maul, sorry, arrives at Obi-Wan's little campfire and the Tatooine in, in their planes of Tatooine. Um, they have their fight. There's so much momentum in it, so much build-up in it, and so <laughs> much detail in it. I adore it. And then at the end of the episode, and I'm including this in the moment because, you know, whatever. So you it's can do as you please, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um at the end of the ep- episode, when he's overlooking the Skywalker oh, yeah. um, household, right? And he sees, he hears Aunt Beiru, you know, Luke, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> and you see like a little Luke Skywalker running back to his house. It, mate, dude. Feels. How cool is that scene? I, I did, I, li- I specifically remember getting like all sorts of feels when I saw that episode and feeling emotional, feeling nostalgic and thinking, damn, that's not the season finale. Yeah, exactly. What's to come after that? And it almost, right, it almost felt, even though the season, it was season three, wasn't it? Or season Season two. Season three, yes. Season three, it, it felt that the, it made me feel like the season three finale was underwhelming because that scene, that episode was so faultless, faultless. Absolutely adore it. It was a massive moment in the entirety of the saga, let alone animation. In terms of the entire story, it started in the Phantom Menace. Obviously, went through the Clone Wars, but just remember that this took this just started as a little fight in 1999 with Ewan McGregor and Ray Park dueling it out together, and this is how it ended. And it's just, but like I said, the build up to the, the actual in the episode is great. But then when they get to that campfire and, and Maul is just kind of, again, he's pacing, he's waited for this moment. And Obi Wan is, he's cool as a cucumber. He's standing there, he's thinking, I'm not going to, I don't need to fight this punk. And then as soon as Maul says, You're protecting somebody, Obi Wan's eyebrows ra- raise up and his lightsaber immediately comes on. And that's when you think, Oh man, you've, you've overstepped oh, the line now. Right, it's just right. so good. He, he was willing to not fight. Until as soon as Maul said you're protecting someone, the lightsaber, and that was it. And I love the I love the fight. I love that it was one, two, you know, kill strike. Although it was so well done, they built it up to be this big prequel level choreographed flipping fight. And what we got was this sort of very small, very quick samurai esque 
skill fest. It just shows how far Obi-Wan had come in the Force and as a fighter and how little Maul had learned in the years since that duel on Naboo with Qui-Gon as well. All he'd done has been consumed by his hate. Obi-Wan had learned he'd grown to become something more powerful than Maul could ever imagine. And the end, yes. and when he's cradling his fallen enemy, and he's like, we, oh, he will avenge us. And it's the chosen one. It's so is amazing. Is he the chosen one? He and, is. And in the supplemental oh. canon, you find out that, because people, a lot of people said, well, you don't see his body afterwards. Uh, Kenobi built a funeral pyre for him, similar to uh, Vader, what Vader had in Return of the Jedi. And he burnt the body and kind of gave it a respectful end. Also, he's burnt him. He's, he's definitely gone now. Before he... Before the, he took the Jew back to the uh, last homestead to see Luke, so you get it's such a powerful oh, moment. Like you say, that's not Luke. It's like a Family Guy almost. <laughs> um, it's like I'm. It's like I'm back home and my mum's nagging yeah, me. Yeah. Do the washing up, Luke. <laughs> Make me a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Mrs. Oh. Bly for that. Um, yeah. Classic Karen. Classic, Classic Karen, Karen Bly. Uh, but yeah, that is a. That is a magnificent moment, and I think lots of people are going to go for that. I didn't go for that because, yeah. do you know why? Because I knew you were going to go you for that. You knew I was going to do it. You knew I was going to back down. I, I knew, so I thought, well, I'm not going to go for that. I'm going to go for something which was, in terms of the the in terms of the, the ghost team, something even more, it's something just as powerful, and it's uh, in the, in the episode Jedi Knights, and it's Kanan's sacrifice, is Ooh. my major moment because it's such a powerful end for a great character, yes. holding yes. back those flames. So his friends, and as we know, his lover, could survive. And it's, it's just that wonderful, beautiful moment in his, in his last moments, through the Force, he, he kind of regains his eyesight and he can see Hera one more time. Uh, and we knew Kanan had to go, he knew he wasn't going to be there. And it was about the execution drink. But Filoni, Freddie Prince Jr., <laughs> Vanessa Marcel as Hera, they nailed it. And it was, again, it was one of those moments that, yeah, again, we knew... These, some of these characters may or may may not make it, but I think Kanan was the one everybody was kind of pinning. He's not making out of this. He's not going to be making out of this. But when it happened, it was still a, a, such a huge moment to think that actually, you know, anything's possible now because Kanan is, is not even in the series finale. We've still got two, three, four, through three episodes to go, and Kanan's not there to guide them to victory. What, you know, who else could possibly fall? And I just thought it was a a brilliantly brilliantly recognised moment and again from where we see him in the beginning and also in things like A New Dawn when he's just a drunk and he meets Hera and the two of them how they meet to that moment it's just and the Kanan comic of course it's a brilliant ending and it's just so well done and the music that accompanied it was spot on from Kaina great choice and it it was something that I didn't actually see coming yeah personally i was kind of half guessing you know it's a disney channel show i don't know and i actually distinctly remember us talking about this in the coffee shop we did, back in, in, back Costa, in yeah. the day back when the, we first met that's right, right we did that's it back in pips hill costa coffee yes. shop in basildon um yeah <laughs> i remember us thinking you know what are they going to do because you know ezra and Kanan aren't in any other canon material. They're not in the films, so they're Jedi. So yeah. And I, I do remember. I was thinking, like, how are they? Like, how would they kill him off? Would it be something a lot more soft? Would he die of something more natural? Um, don't know. But no, he, he they went for full on sacrifice route, and it, it suits 
the character and it suits the story beautifully. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I think that swiftly takes us into our next section, which is, of course, the top three episodes, right? Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, that isn't actually the final episode of Rebels, isn't it? That wasn't, no, that was like two or three before, so. Yeah, and and then he dies in that. Um, I'm going to go, you've already mentioned some banging moments from it. Thank you, mate. For me, it's going to be Spark of Rebellion, the first um, two episodes. It's the I know same it's cheeky, as I've got. But it can't... It, no just, way. For sure, number three, Spark of Rebellion. What? See, this is the problem. I should have gone like... I should have gone for the like crazy indie choices. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go for the flying robot episode, yeah. then it's number three. I'm going to go for the, the space whales space. one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, dibs. I'll have... I'll split number three between those two <laughs> yeah. bad boys. Sp- flying robot in space singing uh. and uh, space robot whales. Yeah, okay. That's me. Yeah, done. done. <laughs> Spark of Rebellion, man. For, for me, it's really simple. When I first started watching Rebels, I started at episode one. Therefore, I started at Spark of Rebellion. And I loved the animation. I loved the scenery. I loved the design. I loved the um, characters just like running around the side streets of, of like the town they were in, right? It was just... It felt so Star Warsy, and then of course to get these Imperials in in an animated show for the first time, you know that's a big deal. Yeah, it is. That is it's a, a different big deal. Era. We we haven't we we hadn't seen animated stormtroopers like that for like ever, you know. If for for a, I can't think there wasn't another animated show where we saw stormtroopers, no. right? No, no, just clone troopers and droids. Yeah, there we go. And and for me. That that really mattered. That really counted. And then you know to see Vader at the end turn up. You know to hear about these Inquisitors. To hear about the the like, mythology, the foundation of this story. You know, it, I was really sold by it. I adored it. Yeah, yeah uh, that's number pretty, three. Pretty much the same for me. I love the fact that when we meet the Ghost Crew, they're already a team. We don't have we don't have them coming together in this really cliche moment where they meet each other on the streets and decide to form a gang. They're already a team. Filoni knew that they've got, you know, seasons ahead of them to give backstory and how they all met. But when we meet them, they're a team. You got and also it opens pretty quickly. You've got Kanan shooting troopers at point blank range. Sabine's blowing up Imperial transport with Imperials on it. Hera call, also Hera calls Kanan love in the first episode, which should put paid to anyone thinking that their romance came out of nowhere. It's just a really solid couple of episodes. I rewatched it the other day, and it is a really solid opening. Ezra's flirting with Sabine to no avail. Zeb wants to batter him, and it just sets things up really nicely. And again, retrospect and hindsight really enhances it. So number three for both of us, Spark Rebellion. What you got for number two, my man? Well, for number two, I have... It's... It's... It's got to be twilight of <laughs> got that the as well Avengers. of course it is i've got that of as well it. we we can't we can't dance around see moments we can kind of dance around right Twi- it's got to be twilight the apprentice yeah. for all the reasons we mentioned exactly. earlier right so much like amazing climactic things happened in in Huge that episode it was phenomenal really really special well i think we're going to differ on our number one though but only just so so uh, after you, Mo, after you first, what is your, what's your number one episode? I think I know what it is. Space Wells. <laughs> Damn, what's uh, a robot in space? It's, it's not some country with a capital city called Cardiff in space. Um, <laughs> it is, of course, Twin Suns. I knew that would be your one, yes. 
Yeah, Obi Wan and Maul at the end, but it's just I. That's the my go to episode of Rebels. I can watch that over and over again, and I know I absolutely adore it. Uh, I've gone for a bookend. I've gone for the final finale, family reunion, and farewell as my as my top nice. episode. Not Filoni nice. got to end. He actually finally got to end the series. He didn't get to end the Clone Wars at the time. He had to tie things up so well, and I think that he. I think he did. I think they really tied it up brilliantly. And the ending, of course, on the Star Destroyer with Thrawn. Yes, they're the purgle in the Space Whales. It, it it connected all the filler episodes, blah, blah. But it's it's the moments around that, like when uh, the ghost, ghost crew is screaming to Ezra, get off that Star Destroyer. And he's like, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And the way everybody, even uh, Governor Price, watches in utter amazement and shock as the Purgil take that Star Destroyer off into somewhere into the unknown regions in hyperspace and everyone's just like wow and it's a sort of moment of loss for the characters and you get his uh, hologram if you're watching this and this wasn't the path I wanted to take couldn't have asked for a better family and I think oh god Taylor don't do this to me and of course the prologue as well the the end prologue starts exactly the same as how Spark of Rebellion started Sabine standing yeah, exactly time. how Ezra is it's all the same. I loved it, even if Ahsoka did come back and opened some strange can of worms as to where she was when the Rebellion probably could have done with her help. But I think the finale, for me, is my favourite episode of, of the bunch. So we've spoken about that and brought back some of the old feels. What did you, Rebels, what, do you, what, what are your thoughts on it now, even after that? The, it's my favourite animated show Lucasfilm has ever created. That's what I think of Rebels. I, I think very, very highly of it. And also, I just want to give a cheeky shout out to Rogue One, a Star Wars <laughs> well, story, because there are so many, so many Rebels Easter eggs in Rogue One. Uh, everything from uh, Hera Sendula, General Sendula, um, getting a call out in while they're in Yavin 4 base. Uh, we see um, the, the droid. The oh, chopper. Damn it. Was Chopper, thank you. Um, of course, in, in the actual base at Yavin 4, which is incredible. It's connecting all of this mythology. We see the ghost as well in the Battle of Scarif. We see the, that was, dude, the ghost in the Battle of Scarif. That just, I, I remember seeing that. The other stuff I didn't notice first time seeing Rogue One. So Cindilla didn't notice that. Um, Chopper didn't notice that. Um, or unless I don't think so, but the ghost I do remember seeing and thinking, oh, "What? That's yeah, the ghost? I've seen that." Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely loved that. Um, but yeah, Rebels is really special. holds holds a special little place in my animated heart. What a, what a lovely man! Yeah, I think it's the best animated series they've put out. I know that's heresy to a lot of people, but it is the best that they've put out. And I'm just more interested now in where the characters ended up. Where is Ezra? Where is Thorn? Ahsoka and Sabine have teamed up. Where are they going to find him? What adventures do they go yes. on? Hera yes. at the Battle of Endor and all that. I want more of those kind of stories. So, yep, I think it's the best that we've had. So, um, should we move on to the socials and see what these guys thought? Let's do it, mate. Let's do it. Let's, uh, let's, walk, let's walk on into the cantina and, thought, and hear what people thought. It, it's certainly busy in here. I'll tell you that. Blue milk and a green milk, please, mate. Oh, lovely. Or a pint of lager. I'm easy. <laughs> um, now, listen, of course, the show wouldn't be complete without hearing from you, our lovely listeners, the best listeners in the whole galaxy. So what did you tell us? 
um, were, were your favourite moments in the whole of Rebels? We're going to find out. Yeah, and again, we were swamped with answers. We really were absolutely swamped, which is incredible. So thank you, everybody. And even if you don't get a mention, we appreciate you taking the time. So we've, we provided a range of the answers for you to disagree or agree on. And I was interested to or intrigued to see how many of your comments would revolve around the Rebels characters as opposed to the established characters. So uh, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. But, but firstly, we actually reached out to a gentleman called Keith Kellogg, um, who worked as an animation supervisor on every single episode of Star Wars Rebels, as well as 14 episodes of The Clone Wars and the entire season one of Resistance. So this dude, he knows Star Wars animation. So basically, we asked him, hey, Keith. Of all your years and experiences working on Star Wars Rebels, what were your favorite memories from that show? And we actually got a reply from Keith Kellogg, which we wholeheartedly appreciate. We're getting a lot of support from the whole Rebels people. I'm starting to think there's a uh, correlation here. Um, But anyway, (laughs) Keith Keith replied... I would have to say there was really getting a chance to have a show about a family unit. Getting the opportunity to see each character grow and evolve every show and season. It was fun to animate them and delve into their personalities, which is so true and so lovely. And that that idea of a family unit, a family bond between the main cast... I feel like that's lost a little bit in in the Clone Wars, and it's too big. But again, they're different shows, and actually, they they, they the, the purpose of them are different things. So I think that's fair and it's reasonable, and it's kind of whatever you lean towards more. I'd say Rebels is maybe a bit more personal, a bit more small, a bit more um, like family adventures. Yeah. Whereas Clone Wars is a lot more world building, a lot more political um, building. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's my thought on that. Yeah, well, thank you very much for that, Keith. It's, we appreciate your thoughts on that from somebody, like you say, who knows animation inside out. And also, Rebels didn't have a predefined end. We knew the Clone Wars would have to end at some point, but at Order 66, whereas these characters, we weren't entirely sure where they were going to go. And crafting them into a family made us actually care about where they ended up and... Again, testament to Keith and Dave Filoni and all the show writers and runners on that who really did craft these characters to so well. So thank you again. Now, uh, let's hear what the greatest listeners in the galaxy offered up. Uh, if you wouldn't mind passing my drink, barman. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Right. Well, so first up, we got Johnny Orm and Rick Brown. They both went with Kanan revealing himself as a Jedi on Kessel in season one dodging blaster bolts and outing his Jedi status to the Imperials. What a fantastic moment. Legends. Brock Bellinger and Kaloyan Gutsev said, like Luke, like Luke, Grand Admiral Thrawn uh, return was their best moment. Oh, I love that moment. Uh, we got Irate Corvus and Stedia Lover uh, decided on Ahsoka owning the Inquisitors in the future of the Force episode from season two. Uh, Nosreem Longshot and Metatrix agreed simply Hondo Onaka was the best of the entire series. <laughs> Mate, why is an animated show about Hondo? Oh, no. When is he turning up at Resistance? <laughs> um, we got Siraj Bajwa and Renegade Six Killer said the Trials of the Darksaber episode from season three was their highlight. The episode where Sabine begins training with the ancient Darksaber, but in doing so, she must also face her past. Oh, I see. That's the one you mentioned earlier on, I believe. 
Yeah. Big friend of the show, supporter, and all-round legend, Alderanian Rose, uh, and Martin Bellinger, top man, went with season four, just season four, and the overall character development. Uh, and as a side note, Rose offered up so many excellent choices and, and responded to all of the comments with another choice. So Rose loves Rebels, mm-hmm. and we love you. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much. Rose, just a straight-up legend representing <laughs> our Ukrainian fan base over there. Thank you so much, Rose. Uh, we got another absolute lad and legend, Antshot First, and Lord Pemak went for one of the pivotal moments in the entire series, Canaan Sacrifice. Yes, we, Brilliant. we did mention that just now, and I agree with you both. Uh, Studio Lover and Shan Lover legend, Kelly Hofton, day one agreed that when Ezra said... Goodbye, Canaan. That was their heartbreaking overall memory. Mm, mm, a that's a great one. moment. That's a great moment. Uh, up next, we've got Hoob, a.k.a. Light of Lothal. Nice to see a name um, with, with a Rebels yes. reference in it. I wonder what they're going to pick. <laughs> um, well, of course, they struggled to pick just one, but opted for the moment. Ezra ignites his lightsaber, revealing the Lothwolves behind him. Great choice. Yes. His Thorny offered up the the, the the Bendu, or as he called him, called him, hashtag Force Moose. So the Bendu getting some love. Hashtag Force Moose. <laughs> uh, up next, we've got Andrew Browering, who decided on the scene from The Twilight of the Apprentice, where more blinds Kanan. And Joshua Blumel said the entire episode was his favourite moment. Great choices. Yeah. Robinson Cruz Ramirez said the episode of A World Between Worlds and the finale, Family Reunion Fair. We didn't mention The World Between Worlds, and that was when Star Wars got a bit weird, but uh, it wasn't mm-hmm. too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got Dan Alex Hales, 20, who loved the Night Sisters and Dathomir arc. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. Apo Camino said the clones and Lady Rex. Well, she went with her man, Captain Rex's scenes. Ooh, spicy, spicy. Captain Rex, absolute hunk. Uh, the Mando Mermaid, a.k.a. Princess Lawrence, said everything, just everything. But Jedi Knight and Trolls of the Dark Saber are my favourites. Cheeky. Uh, Mando Mermaid, you're a legend, and so is Buff Clone Rex. Here we go, second to last one. KT120, Ledge, Brock Bellinger, Lord Pimak, Rote, Tarno, apologies, and Eriko1980 offered up the second most popular choice. That being the long-awaited duel between Ahsoka Tano and Darth Vader. Oh, that's a great choice. But sadly, that leaves one spicier choice. <laughs> Finally, and here's Liss. <clears throat> the Force Losers podcast. Joe Caster who? Brock Bellinger. Lord Pimak. Irish Gamer. 1461. Damon Greenland. And Snicked 87 all agreed on the most popular choice. Maul versus Kenobi in Twin Sons. It's a standout moment for so many people. And to be and to be fair to everybody who voted, there was a lot more people who actually voted, but we would be here all day if we put everybody who voted for that for that episode. So it's Luke's number one moment as well, or one of them, and from his number one episode. So I'm guessing you agree with that, matey. Oh, big time, big time. And there were so many wicked moments. Uh, and it's interesting to note, again, like I mentioned, the most popular choices actually involve characters from outside of the main Rebels gang, which is interesting, but it also proves what a big impact the saga, the uh, series had on the saga as a whole. Uh, but of course, the listeners aren't the only legend we hear from. Uh, jumping in slightly earlier than normal, because we're going to have a little shake-up going on, it's the original Slay Queen himself. It's Curtis Smith with another galactically awesome poem. <laughs> Ahsoka Tano. So sorry, Snips. 
The Jedi are only all right. They left you alone to your plight. Now you're running faster. What became of your master? You turned in your green blades for white. Find me on Twitter at Star Wars Poet, on Instagram and Facebook at Star Wars Poetry. Always Star Wars, always poetry, always original work, posting daily. Thank you, Curtis, the only man to ever defeat a brick wall in a game of tennis. Curtis, thank you so much <laughs> again. Luke, what do we say oh, about Curtis? Always Curtis, always a legend. I love that man of all of my beating heart. And I know Luke, to, Luke is very fond of Curtis too. Uh, also, final shout out as well. Just those of you who follow us on socials will have seen the delightful photo of the legend, that is my daughter, with her new pork toy. And two people, two people saw this and liked it. And they were Ahmed Best and Ryan Johnson. Jar Jar Binks and the man behind the porgs themselves liked that picture. So Mad. that's going to be a story Mad. to tell us. So great. Uh, so much. So thank you so much, guys, for that. Ryan um, Johnson really appreciate himself. it. Ryan Johnson himself saw that, that and gave ugly. it a thumbs up. So, guys, thank you so much. But as we said, we're shaking things up going forward. Canon Character Spotlight. You know it. You love it. It's gone now. Um, it's been retired. It's been retired. <laughs> Nothing's ever really gone, but it's been retired. In its place to end off every show, we're going to be doing something, something fun, something random each week. Basically, we're going to be surprising each other. And for this week, I'm going to be subjecting Luke to the one or the other game. It's back for this week. The rules are very simple. Blilo Ren is given a few Star Wars choices of which you can only choose one. And the rest are consigned to galactic garbage. Each week, we're going to shake things up with a different game or different ending like this. But for this week, one or the other game. Luke, are you ready? I am ready. I am proper excited for this. Cue the music, DJ. Thank you. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Who's the better pilot, Han Solo or Poe Dameron? Han Solo, every day. Straight off the back it there. How would you prefer your sand? Coarse, rough, or irritating? Oh, I'm going to be a bit naughty. I'm going to say rough. Oh, rough. <laughs> 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 the ghost ship from Rebels or Django or Boba's Slave One? Oh, um, now if anybody saw this weekend our Instagram story, yes. they would have seen. I went to a geek shop, and I actually there was like a secondhand just slave one just sitting there by the side, and I actually picked it up and like started shooting Star Trek figures with it. Down to the trekkies. <laughs> so yeah. I'm I'm gonna go with slave, but just just because I love the shop. ghost. Um, how about dark bearded Luke Skywalker or grey bearded Luke Skywalker? Oh, I'm going to go with grey, actually. That wisdom, though. Vintage Luke. Uh, roast pork or barbecued Kowakian monkey lizard? Oh, it's got to be the lizard. <laughs> it's got to be just for the Mandalorian hype. Crisp on the outside, soft in the middle. The negotiations were short. Or another happy landing. Oh, another happy landing. <laughs> Every day. Every day. Yes, thank you, Obi. Um, General Grievous or the Grand Inquisitor? Oh, General Kenobi. <coughs> Hello there. Um, Yoda's yeah. theme or Ray's theme? Oh, that's hard. That's really hard. I'm going to be... This might seem controversial. I'm going to say Ray's theme, you know? Ooh, he, likes, he likes rough sand and Ray's theme. Clone troopers or stormtroopers? <laughs> oh, why are you doing this to me? Oh, just because I'm a 90s kid, 
Right, I'm going to go with clone troopers. I'm going to go with the clone troopers. What would you rather be eaten by? A rancor or a raptor? I'm going to go for... I reckon a raptor, just because you know it's going to be over quick. Those things can move. Yeah, they could get punched by Han in the process. Um, yeah. yeah, true. What have we got next? Paul Gullet or Save the Rebellion! Save the Dream! Dude... Is this even a question? Borgullet every time. Borgullet. 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 We'll know the truth. Lad. Thank you, Saw. Uh, the Force Awakens or The Empire Strikes Back? Oh, you can't do this to me. Da-da. The Empire Strikes Back. Oh. I'm sorry. I love The Force Awakens, but I'm going to go with Empire. Sorry. Kicking it old school. Uh, we've got we've got four, four or five more now. Kessel or Dagobah? Dagobah, for that Luke scene, Luke and Yoda scene, feels... Yep, I've got luminous beings. Uh, who would you rather complete a shady deal with? Watto or Lando Carizian? Oh. Annie? Well, next time, Annie? Little Annie? Nubian, it's got to be Watto. I'm going to go with Watto. Oh, Lando's been... Not, not the charmer he thought he was. Um, General Hux or Grand Moff Tarkin? <sighs> Hux is so good in the Force Awakens, and if he can, if he would have continued that into the Last Jedi, I would have chosen Hux, you know, because of that. Like speech was just crazy was good. Mad. But I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna have to go with Tarkin, mate. I'm sorry. Tarkin it is. So no, you you can stand by your answers. We will judge you later. Two more: Tobias Beckett or DJ from the Last Jedi. Oh, Tobias Beckett every day. Tobias Get out of here. Beckett. Um, Get out of here. What is that lame, stupid stutter? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Need a lift? Um, and the final no. one. <clears throat> oh, Maxi Big the Force. Well, that smells stinker whiff. Or, Dissin very, very bad. Oh, icky, icky goo. The second one. <laughs> <laughs> Not stinker whiff. <laughs> the second one. The, the second, second one. one. Dude, I like that new section. It's wicked. And do you know what the fun thing is? For you listeners out there, we're going to alternate this. So next, so Lucas now has a week to come up with something. It can be entertaining. It can be serious. But it's good what we're going to be ending our shows with. And uh, I, I look forward with trepidation and excitement to next week. But that was one of the other game with Jabba the Hutt and Blilo Ren. Ooh, spicy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as we say, that is leading out the show now. We're leading out on a high. So that is that for this episode of Star Wars Sessions. What a belter it was. But the fun doesn't end there. No one's ever really gone. Like Canon Character Spotlight. Where can the world find us, Master Blywalker? Well, dude, they can find us on Twitter at Star Wars Session with no S at the end. So that's at Star Wars Session on Twitter. They can slide into our galactic DMs on Instagram at Star Wars Sessions with an S. That's at Star Wars Sessions on Instagram. Or feel free to send us a cheeky voicemail or email to our email address sws at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk That's sws at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk Yeah, we are on Anchor FM. That's where we are hosted. Also, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere in the galaxy you can find a podcast, we're there. And if you love the show, please do give us a good review on your podcast provider of choice because it really helps to show out and helps us grow even more. Absolutely. And please, please, please tell all your Star Wars friends about us. Tell your nan. 
tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your mates, tell your cats, tell your Ewok, tell your cousin, tell your uncle, tell your next door neighbour, the more the merrier, the castle spicier. Tell your pungalit. This is the podcast you're looking for. So, until next time, sadly, from me, it's see ya and from Luke. May the force be with you always. They are Essex-based podcast heroes. Jedi way. I am no Jedi. Tell that to Kanja Club.